invite you now to join our conversation, an instrument of healing as we share how each of us can grow through times of illness, grief, and loss. Our wish is through these words you will discover a healing community that promotes insight, reignites hope, and nurtures peace. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to Conversations with Kelly. I'm Jeffrey Cloninger, your podcast producer, and I'm joined with Kelly Grosslogs. Hello, everybody. Thanks for inviting me in today, Jeffrey. <laughs> I feel like you've invited me, Kelly. Oh, well, either way, we're here. Either way, we're here, and today we are talking about loving deeply and what that means. Loving deeply is grieving deeply. That's right. Let's get into that a little bit. So when we love intensely, I think it's important to remember that we will react when we have a loss. We will react as intensely to the level that we loved somebody. So sometimes, you know, and I don't necessarily measure love in the amount of years. I measure love in the amount of intensity and commitment. So somebody can love somebody very deeply within two years. And of course, somebody can love somebody deeply for 50 years. If we love somebody and invest deeply in that relationship while they were living, or even an animal, um, which I know is a very significant loss for many of us, then we have to expect that the reaction to that loss is going to be as, as intense. We can't expect to love somebody so intensely and then just expect grief to be wrapped up nicely in just a few months. Yeah, why do we try to do that? I mean, we, we look at grief as something we should box up, slide under the bed or under the rug and never think about again. Well, first of all, I think we want to do that because it's so uncomfortable. You know, it, it hurts so much on all levels. It physically hurts our body. It emotionally hurts our soul. And I think that it's uncomfortable, so we search for that quick fix. We search to make that go away. And what we find is we can numb it for a while, but grief always waits. And it's, it's meant to be tended to. It's meant to be honored. And it's, you know, I don't want people listening today who are in the acute phases, which is really I consider 12 to 18 months after a loss, that they're going to always feel this acute intensity because we, we do know that for the majority of people they will start to feel some lessening of the intensity and feelings. However, for a lifetime you will be connected to that bond and connected to that grief. So I really, I think, it, you know, for those out there that are wondering why do I still, and you know, that word still is really one of my pet peeves when we talk about grief because it's so unique. Grief is so unique. The reaction to a loss is, it's our right in, in some ways. We get to have that. And so I, I've heard people throughout my career ask me, why after 10 years are they still struggle? Why do they still struggle on this person's birthday? Or why do they still struggle when they see the tulips come up in the spring because that was their grandma's favorite rope? flower or whatever it may be and I think you know that those tend to be sweet reminders and and gentle gentle tugs if you will with grief instead of just that complete crashing that we see in the beginning and feel in the beginning and I suppose we could look at it the opposite way as well what if we experience a loss but aren't feeling the grief that we expect we would mm -hmm. So you raise a really good point. I actually was um, speaking at an event, and I, I had a woman uh, raise her hand and ask me that exactly, that 
she wasn't experiencing the grief that she thought she was. So she was feeling guilty about that. And I, I just said, you know, we have to be present to what we're feeling. I, I will say that there are times because the grief is so traumatic and the, or the loss is so traumatic that the grief, it has to, it has to be let in when we can and how we can let it in. Because if we get bulldozed over with it, it might be, it might just be too much and it'll overwhelm us. So sometimes people can't feel because it's it's a way of the psyche protecting a little bit. I also think it's important to realize that crying isn't the only way we grieve. And some people can get very quiet when they grieve. Some people laugh when they grieve. Some people get very angry, all of the above. But crying is not the only way that that people can grieve. You hear a lot of family members, especially when they experience the loss of a, of a loved one, maybe a parent, kind of almost fighting around how each other grieves or, or not even recognizing your point that it may show up differently than, than perhaps I'm experiencing it. That's right. And then I, another fight breaks out. If you think a football game is competitive, you should see a family in, in grief. Um, and I, I say that with the kindest of hearts. Because there is there is often a lot of competition, especially if a family has some dynamics that aren't necessarily functional or healthy to begin with, the grief is only going to exacerbate that. And it's it's really unfortunate that we start seeing competition of who who misses her more, who misses him less, who misses this. You didn't even cry, you didn't even cry at the funeral. I mean, I, I've really heard some pretty. Um, accusatory things said in the bereavement phase and you know I guess I see it as natural in some ways because in grief it makes us want to lash out because we're hurting so badly but lashing out at somebody that is also grieving whether it's you've decided it's the right way or not isn't the way to go about it so um, you know I have done hours of family counseling in grief with people. And that's one of the things I, I want to get on the table immediately is the competition factor of grieving. I, I really believe that if we loved somebody, and again, I also see competition in that, who loved her more, who loved him. I, I think if we can just lay that down and be more concerned about our grief and our reactions and what it means for us versus spending so much energy judging what it means for others, I actually think we'll be able to move with our grief a lot better. I want to go back to something you said earlier around the lifetime of grief. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean in terms of how long this is going to be? I mean, it sounds like forever. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there will come a time where it will be okay to say grief is a lifelong experience to something that we deeply loved. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say that in the beginning to someone because they associate that with them. They're always going to feel this intensity. And when people are in the beginning, they don't think they're going to get through it. They don't think they're going to feel better. People do. And I've seen, you know, some of the hardest loss in this society is child loss. And I have seen many people be able to have resiliency within their grief and be able to, you know, there'll be a part of them. It's like missing a limb. There'll be a part of them. They'll have to integrate it. They'll have to go through it. But they, they are able to heal 
and they are able to move with their grief. They don't, they can't move around their grief. They just have to move with it. And I think, you know, so it is, it is lifelong. And I, I have been asked that question many times. When, when will I be done with this? And it's, it's important to make the distinction that a loss is the event. So there's been a death, there's been a divorce, there's been a whatever, that's an event. That has kind that has a beginning, a middle and an end to it. Okay. Sure. The grief is the reaction to this event. So grief is not grief in our society. We want to make it an event. We want to, you know, we get th- a whole three days off from most most organizations. Oh, from work. From work in this in the bereavement world, um, we hear a lot in the books about a year. The first year being the hardest. Actually, sometimes the second year can be more difficult. Because, Why? Well, the first year I think is so surreal. I just think it's you're numb. The second year becomes real. It's it's like wow, they're not coming back. We we don't have a reference point anymore in the second year where we can think back and say, oh, they were alive on this day last year. That goes away in the second year, and that can be another loss for people. I would imagine too, some of the support goes away. Yeah, um, some of the support goes away in about a week sometimes for people, unfortunately, but I think we're doing more. I think we've got a lot of psychoeducation out there about grief and loss, and I think we're doing a better job of realizing that, you know, we don't get to stop supporting people just because two weeks has gone on or two months has gone on. In fact, I often suggest that people don't send a sympathy card until two to four weeks after a loss because it's really nice at that point when most of the time you're now spending time alone in your home or, you know, your um, phone calls are going away, the food is not coming anymore, all these different things. You're returning things. to your normal operation. You're expected to, yes, expected to t- return. And so it's nice to get a card two to four weeks after as a, hey, I realize you're out here. And then I've heard some beautiful stories where people receive a card Let's say somebody died on the 10th of the month. The 10th of the month for the first year, they receive a card in the mail. And it's just, it's it's profound. Because we know that the person that died doesn't want to be forgotten. But the person and the people that are grieving don't want to be forgotten either. You know, a lot of these topics are brought to life in your book, A Comforted Heart. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could talk maybe a little bit about that. So the book is available on Amazon, and it it's, it is, like you said, it's titled A Comforted Heart. It's kind of a guideline or a lifeline, as some people have called it, mm-hmm. um, to several of the topics that these podcasts focus on. But there is a, there's a fair amount about grief. I am working on my second book now, which is going to be specifically on grief. This book also, A Comforted Heart, also will speak to those that are ill and those that are caregiving. So I think... The, the design of the book is made up into small vignettes or small segments, if you will, that represent real people, represent real life issues. It doesn't speak about grief as we see it on TV. It speaks about grief how it really happens, which is really ugly and healing is ugly. And yet it's very profound. And through grieving, you really, you get opportunities. You know, I would never classify it as a gift. I just, I classify grief as an opportunity, an opportunity to meet like-minded people, an opportunity to maybe let yourself be truly what you need to be for the first time in your life. 
Um, in, in bereavement work, when I work with people, sometimes we get to learn how to love better because we maybe weren't happy with the way we loved in the relationship that was lost. Mm. And so what I try to do with people who are feeling guilty about that is help them transform that guilt into paying it forward and changing the other relationships in your life now. And that, um, you know, we work on forgiveness work and all of that, but I... It's not unlike channeling your anger. Right. Moving it into another form. That's perhaps more productive for both you and everyone around you. That's right. And, you know, we're really familiar with five stages of grief, which I think Dr. Cougar Ross was um, very instrumental in this field. And I I certainly appreciate her um, laying the foundation for this because it it was a cornerstone at that time. She gave words to what a lot of people were feeling. I think what we've realized as time has gone on that grief isn't going to happen in stages per se. And in fact, what people get, you know, they get a little disappointed because they think, well, they've already been angry. Why are they angry again? And so I've already gone through this stage and why am I doing this again? So maybe look at grief as a spiral and look at it Mm. that it, it moves, it flows, it goes up and down. If you watch one of these things hanging out in the wind, that's kind of a spiral. You just, you see that it's just an ever-moving piece. There's not necessarily a beginning, not necessarily an end in a spiral, but it just it just keeps moving. And there's times we're going to have to come back and we're going to have to experience things again. Now, each time we go through a phase or an experience of a loss and the grief reaction, we learn from it. So it's it doesn't necessarily have to be so painful every time we go. So the reaction may never be the same. It often is not. It can change. It often is not. And our our grief transforms and our grief morphs into something different with each year. It looks, it, it tends to look different. You know, having said that, I don't necessarily want people experiencing the pain year eight as they were in year one, only in the sense of the first year is, is really intense. The second year is intense. And so I don't necessarily want people not being able to sleep not having an appetite, those things, where we'd want people to be evaluated if that gets too extended for clinical depression. However, one of the things I've, I've noticed a lot in the last 10 years is that our society is trying to get better. There's been a movement about not pathologizing grief so much and making it a, a disease or a diagnosis or a disorder, so to speak. There can be some complicated bereavement and complicated grieving that sometimes does take a very skilled, trained professional to be able to go in and do the intervention. But for the most part, let's try and not look at this as a disorder. Let's try and look at grief as a normal reaction to loving somebody and investing in something so deeply. I think the key is is normal, right? Mm -hmm. It is part of our life. So... It's not this disorder, nor is it a state, I'm hearing, right? right? That, that starts and ends. But it's really, it's kind of all about living, and it's bringing it back to loving deeply is grieving deeply. 
of course, I think as human beings, we are wired to love, we are wired for relationships, and we want those relationships to sustain. So why wouldn't it follow that grief also sustains? That's right. And eventually, and I do write about this in my book, and this is actually one of the cornerstones that I speak on, is that grief becomes our continued bond. It becomes kind of that last connection we have to the person, and that eventually... We don't want that to go away because, yes, we have pictures, yes, we have video, yes, we have different things, but the grief allows us to have a touch point with that person that we lost. It allows us to be in the moment with them. It allows us to either cry, laugh, get mad, visit the cemetery, visit the, the tree that was planted, whatever it may be, but it becomes that bond. For instance, my mother has been dead over 35 years. There's times, you know, even within the last five years where I have just wept and wept and wept at her grave because of all the things she's missing my children all these different things well one would be surprised I think if they saw me from afar crying as hard as I was crying at her grave they would think this was a new death actually it was okay for me to cry and it felt it felt okay because I was able to voice out loud some things I, I loved about her I missed about her the grief of not knowing her as an adult for me as an adult and or knowing her as an older person but that's my bond to Sandy I mean that is really that's that is a way I can stay connected to her and I've actually grieved for her more than I was with her in life now at this point hmm. so that's your relationship with your mother is is predominantly in grief exactly exactly because she died when I was 11 as many people know so now I know her more in this relationship of grief and bonding and certainly relying on her and she does communicate with me through various ways so I think you know as hard as that is it isn't something I necessarily want to let go I don't necessarily want to feel the acute pain like I do right now with her sister dying but I'm okay and I think eventually we are able to say to grief it's okay to stay wow so you're actually getting to a point or you've come to a point where you've invited grief in as, again, the sustained normative part of your life. Mm -hmm. Yes, because I've done work around it. I think that's the key is that grief deserves our attention. I mean, it deserves to be honored. It deserves, and if, if we're struggling, which I would expect we would, we need to seek out counsel from a professional that's trained in grief or even places of faith certainly have people that you can talk with and I think that that's important and, and grief can be very dark and grief can be it, it certainly can bring us into a depression or an anxiety or whatever that may be so I certainly would want people to get that component treated because you can't do your deep grief work if you have a mental health issue that's exacerbated. One thing that comes to mind as well is the multitude of emotions that can accompany grief. You, you talked about it a little bit earlier around grief is expressed different ways, but what about those times where I'm, I'm grieving the loss of a grandparent, for example, and at the same time, I'm, I'm laughing about hmm. the experience with them. Yeah, so that, that just tells me you're really connected to the grief because we had happy times in, you know, our, our grief will mirror our life with the person. So I also want to say that there's people listening today that are not grieving in the sense because they're sad the person died, 
they're grieving because they never had a relationship with the person. There mm. was an estrangement. There was a, and so, you know, they, their grief is all about what they didn't have. It's not necessarily about what they had or they had a relationship that wasn't healthy. And so I think it's really important to, to know that grief is going to be everything. It, it truly is. It's everything. And there's also a part to grief that is not talked about enough and that's relief. And sometimes people can be very relieved that somebody's died. A, because they are in pain, they've been suffering. Or B, because they had a very difficult and strained relationship. And so, you know, there's a part of, there's a part of relief. But laughing is absolutely part. Anger, confusion, sadness, reflectiveness, introspection. And we can experience all of it. It's not either or, it's all of it. And we can experience laughing within the first day of someone dying. And we can be crying 10 years after someone died. So there's not an order in the way this goes. And again, back to why can't we check the box off that we've experienced this? Because if we allow grief in, then it will, it will become part of us. How do you make room for the grief? Sometimes you have to be very intentional about it. I've had people actually schedule in their, in, you know, it's great we're in technology now and the iPhone will remind you it's time to grieve. And, oh, uh, really? Yes, and so I'll have people write in, it's your time now. Sometimes it elicits a lot of emotion, sometimes it's nothing. But the point is, you've got to sit and let yourself feel what you feel. And so if that's going for a nature walk and just thinking about the person or writing something in a journal or going and working out and listening to their favorite songs or whatever, whatever it may be, but I think it's important that you allow the grief and you make time for it. Now, especially early on, you don't have to make time for it. It is pretty much present. The bottom line of this message today is that grief is everything and it is unique. And the less we judge, the more room that we make for acceptance and acknowledgement in this, and the less we judge, I, I do think we will find much more of an authentic healing. And people do make it through. People do make it through grief. And yes, it can be painful. And yes, sometimes it literally is minute by minute. But people make it through. And... You certainly have. I have, you have, and people listening have. And I think that that's, that is something that we universally experience in this world is grief. That is something that's universal, that we can all relate to within the human race. Kelly, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this CWK podcast. It's our hope that these words bring comfort, healing, and insight to your life, wherever you are and whatever you're experiencing. Please subscribe and share this episode. You can also follow and like Conversations with Kelly on Facebook. One quick note, we've done our best to share some ideas, tips, and techniques to help guide you. This podcast's content is not intended to be a substitute for or constitute professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.
we encourage you to seek professional medical advice if needed. Thank you.